it's Christy Smiley from Edinburgh City Corporal Club and Scotland. You're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. I'm Pat Merton from Glasgow Corporal Club and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Neela Brennan and I play for England Corporal and Trojan Corporal Club and you're listening to the Half Court Press. Hi, I'm Vivek Santayana of the Edinburgh City Corporal Club and this is the Half Court Press podcast. Corfball Player Profiles is the 14th season of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, Theo McLeod talks to players about their lives outside of the sport, as well as their careers, experiences and perspectives within Corfball. I'm Nina Murdoch, I play for Edinburgh City Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. You are joining us again with our Corfball specials, the Corfball player profiles. We are sat here today with a super special guest, Nina Murdoch. Nina, hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. I've got a posh cup of tea here. Um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely should have should have done that. <laughs> Nina, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what do you play, who do you play for? Um, so I'm Nina Murdoch. I play corfball, the love child of basketball and netball, if you will. And I play for Edinburgh City Corfball Club. And I've been playing for coming on eight years now, just about. So yeah. Was that Edinburgh City? Corporal? Edinburgh City, yep. My research tells me that <laughs> you used to go to St Andrews University. Yes, yeah. So I, I've been about the Scottish Corfball League a bit, if you will. And I used, so I started at St Andrews University in 2013. And then I went out to Switzerland for a bit after I finished uni. And I played in Zurich for a little bit. And then I came back and I did a master's in Glasgow. So I played for Glasgow City Corporal Club or just Glasgow Corporal Club. And then, well, I actually played for Edinburgh City for a little bit before I went to Switzerland. And then when I moved back to Edinburgh, literally the week before the pandemic, I started playing for City again. So yeah, so I played for a few clubs. <laughs> so you played in Zurich for a bit. What was that like? Who do you play for? Who was the club? Um, so it was just Zurich Corporal Club. So Corporal was, not, I wouldn't say relatively new in Switzerland, but it's definitely growing as a sport. So I lived in Basel, but there's now, um, that didn't have a Corporal Club at the time, but that's now being started. So Zurich was kind of the main club um, and also in Lausanne, I think it was a club. But yeah, no, I was just there for like six months and I did a bit of coaching for Zurich as well, which was really fun. And it was just nice to, play the sport in a different country and kind of see that it is bigger than Scotland and that it is a known sport and now it's it's definitely getting a lot bigger in Switzerland which is really good to see. This is the league comparing Switzerland to the league in Scotland? So there wasn't really a league whilst I was there I, I'm really not sure now if there is I think they sort of do kind of one-off events I think it's called the Alp League and things like that but there wasn't really enough clubs enough cities playing for there to be a full league so it was more kind of one-off events and kind of arranged games. But I, I presume that Basel and Zurich now play games against each other more often than, than there was before. So, yeah. 
You then went off to play for Glasgow City, so you will know friend of the show, Pat Merton. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I moved to do my Masters in Glasgow and joined Glasgow Corporal Club. And yeah, I just had the best time. I was there for a year and a half before moving back to Edinburgh. But yeah, that was, they were a really great club to play for, really, really fun. And I had sort of quite a few people there that I knew before, just from the league, just generally when you play at university you kind of get to know people through that and there was also Strathclyde Corporal Club so we kind of used to have joint training sessions so that was really fun to also still hang out with uh, students as well. Isn't there a bit of a rivalry between St Andrews and Glasgow? St Andrews and Glasgow? Um, Is that that right? We're getting that wrong? I don't I don't think there's a rivalry I don't know if St Andrews really has a rival at all I would say maybe maybe Edinburgh Uni a little bit but I think it's, I think the rivalry is more Ed City, Mavs and Glasgow, probably, I would say. They're the top, top contenders for winning the league, winning the league, I'd say. And so you're, you are now playing for Edinburgh City? I am, yes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've moved. <laughs> How's that going? How is the first season back after COVID? Yeah, it's really good. We did quite a lot of outdoor training over the summer. So that was really fun. Played with Ed Uni a bit, got some competitive matches in with them. And now we just had our first games of the season last weekend against Edinburgh Uni 1 and our own seconds team. So that was quite fun. That was uh, a good game to play. So we've got games against Edinburgh Mavericks this weekend. So that'll be quite intense, I think, but I think it'll be really fun. So yeah, no, it's really nice being back and kind of getting back into the swing of it because not playing for, not doing anything for a year and a half, like not practicing a sport for a year and a half makes it quite hard to come back, I think. So yeah, it's good to be back. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts, and interviews. What did you study? What was your degree in? So I studied biology um, at St Andrews and then I did a master's in cancer sciences at Glasgow and I'm now so I'm now a clinical trial associate for a biopharmaceutical company um, and I work in cancer clinical research. So you're, you're saving lives? Yeah, single-handedly, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, no, contributing, helping work on. <laughs> a bit more focus on your career, specifically about you. How, how did you start playing at Corporal? So in my first year at St Andrews, I knew I wanted to play a different sport that I hadn't really played before. Um, I'd always done like individual sports at uni, uh, sorry, at school, like, um, you know, swimming or basically things that 
didn't require anyone relying on me. <laughs> so I didn't play any team sports. And then when I came to St. Andrews, you have, you know, a sports fair. And I was kind of walking around and I saw corkball and just thought, I have no idea what that is. So I'll go find out. And then they were really, really lovely. I went to give it a go session and the captain was really like personable and he remembered everyone's name and he really made an effort to make you feel welcome. So yes, I kind of kept going back. I didn't really commit to it in my first year. I was sort of, it was just a little bit of a sport that I did, but I didn't really go to the socials that much or I didn't play any competitive games. And then at the end of my first year, I was sort of <laughs> drafted in to play for the second team at a national Bucks competition down in Cardiff. And I had a really good time. I loved it. I was so nervous because I'm not a competitive person really. Or I wasn't then. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then I came back the next year for preseason. And then that was kind of me for the next seven, eight years. <laughs> um, so yeah. Corfball strikes me. I, mean, I don't play corfball. I don't I've never really experienced much much of it. It strikes me as a, a sort of alternative sport. People keep saying to me, I wasn't really into sport or I'm not a competitive person or I really didn't think it would be for me. And now it's the opposite of all of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I remember kind of thinking, <laughs> not in, a, in the best way possible, it was kind of like a misfit sport. Like we had some people who played, you know, basketball and netball before or at the same time and also played corkball. And then we had some people who just are like you know we wouldn't describe themselves as sporty and yeah and you just have such a mix of people coming for different reasons and yeah I would say it's an alternative sport but in a way like it makes so much sense to me for it to be a mainstream sport having a mixed gender sport that's yeah I kind of can't wait for it to be more widely played because I think it's the ideal sport really <laughs> but of course I'm going to say that so yeah no it's definitely I think because everyone starts at a kind of everyone has been a beginner fairly recently unless you have played since you were a child which is usually people down in like Kent and kind of London area maybe but you know it's not very typical at a primary school or anything like that so when you start at university you're in the same boat as so many people which is really nice whereas I think going into maybe a more mainstream sport first starting at university that could be quite daunting I know there's definitely opportunities for beginners, but I think with Corfu, it's, it's definitely welcoming in that way because there's a level playing field at the start of it, I think. What was the hook for you? How did you go, like, forget all the things I thought about sport before and it relates to me, it changed. What, what was that moment? I think the people, in all honesty, this, <laughs> this is always something that uh, we weren't at our AGM, you'd always get asked, what's your favourite thing about corkball? And everyone would say the people. And we had to veto that as a, an option. But honestly, yeah, this how friendly everyone was, but also how willing people were to help you get better. And that's still the case now, even though I've played for years, like having people like Dan Pratt or Callum Lindsay or Pat kind of still giving you, well, obviously still coaching you and just wanting to push you to be better. And I think that's always been such a great part about corkball is that everyone is there to give you a hand and to kind of guide you through it so yeah no I was kind of just hooked for I was definitely the people first and then the sport <laughs> but 
but now it's uh, their their level. I would say <laughs> I enjoy both. <laughs> you spoke a bit about the rivalry earlier on between the two cities. Mm -hmm. uh, for those listening outside of Scotland, the cities of Glasgow and the cities of Edinburgh have a rivalry anyway, East Coast, West Coast thing, but also the corporal teams. Is it more of a friendly rivalry? Is it a bit of... You, you yeah, a little of... bit, yeah. I think on the court and during a game, it feels like more than that, and maybe more so between particular players. But other than that, it is... Because, you know, we have rivalry, but then players on both those teams were playing for, you know, the Scotland national team a couple of weeks ago at the European Championships. And, you know, then they have to play together. So it's a it's yeah, it's definitely a fun rivalry, I would say, more than anything else. Um, but yeah, during the games, it can be quite intense. How's your involvement in the Scottish national team? <laughs> um, non-existent. <laughs> I'm just a supporter. Um, I was on the development squad for a little while. Uh, I don't even know when that was. They kind of tried a lot of different um, approaches to creating a the best Scotland team possible um, and so for a while there was like the Scotland team and then there was a national development team but I think there's now just we the trials were in August and yeah so I, I mainly just support from back home. <laughs> so what have been the successes in your career? What have been the highlights? So in my third year at St Andrews I was captain and coach. They were kind of the same role at St Andrews um, and so I did that in my third year and my fourth year. I was terrified to do it, I kind of didn't want to do it really. <laughs> I think I went for president and didn't get that so went for the next <laughs> thing but actually it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. It's really developed me as a like as a team leader I think and really boosted my confidence in general. So then kind of went on to coach Zurich for a little bit and yeah, no, it's, it's been a really good skill to take from, from that is how to, you know, I had to navigate how to coach a sport. I'd never done that before. How to retain people, how to make it fun, but also competitive because people want both those things. And to make it, you know, part of your fitness and the reason you basically like fit it into all these reasons why people go. So yeah, so that was really good. And I also chaired Glasgow Corporal Club for a bit. So I was the president, I guess, of that. And that was really fun, like kind of administration side of Corporal. And yeah, and I've been coached by some really great players as well, which has helped me develop a lot. So yeah, I would definitely say that's kind of, some of the successes are also challenges in themselves, <laughs> where coaching is really fun, but we were like, we had to play our coach. So when I was playing a game, still trying to have one eye on what's going on at the other end and what's going on in your half of the court. So that was definitely quite hard. <laughs> that seems to be a common, a common thing in, in at least Scottish corporal, where mm -hmm. people wear That's... different hats at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think until uh, there's enough money that we can pay <laughs> external coaches. Um, at Edinburgh City, we have a guy called Jack who coaches the second team. So he's, he's part of Edinburgh University. So he coaches our second team and that's quite nice because he's external and doesn't have to get involved in the game and can see the whole thing. What's his surname? Pitt. For more on Jack Pitt, listen to the whole 
<laughs> Another friend of the show. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's been on before. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was in the, uh, the previous Scorpion se- series. Nice. So yeah, he's, uh, he's really great. He's doing a good job of coaching our seconds, for sure. He's also the guy who answers the uh, Facebook messages on the Scottish Corporal. Who is he? What have been the challenges in your career? I guess, like I just said, player coaching is definitely a challenge. You sort of have to... So, yeah, it's an Andrews I was captain and coach, and I guess it's definitely better having those as separate roles, I would say. They offer different things. Uh, so, yeah, that was definitely quite hard doing that for two years. I was really excited to kind of move somewhere else and actually be coached because <laughs> I was uh, always having to coach. So it's been really great kind of going to city clubs and having um, more experienced people coaching me. I think also coaching at uni is quite hard because you're coaching your friends, and which is great, but when it comes to picking teams and allocating people, that can be really, really difficult. And obviously our coaches at City at the moment are our friends as well, but there's an element of, I think at university, you're just so tight knit. And um, so that was definitely a, a challenge for sure. And I guess playing for first teams and clubs can be quite intense. Yeah, I've got here <laughs> playing certain rivals is definitely like this weekend against it's Edinburgh City versus Edinburgh Mavericks. And I know that that's that'll just be quite an intense game because there's a lot of good players on the field. But that's also one of the exciting parts of it. So, yeah. You like the challenge. You, you, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a good challenge. A welcome one. <laughs> you know, Murdoch thrives under pressure. <laughs> yeah, mm, don't know. Let's wait and see. <laughs> The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So what have been the the major experiences in your career that have perhaps changed your outlooks towards corporal, improves how you view the game perhaps? I guess, like I say, I never used to like team sport. I didn't want anyone to rely on me because I'd have fear of letting people down but I think now I I really I absolutely love playing as a team because I get to rely on other people and then you and I think that's important to it's an important lesson overall it's like it's not down to you playing badly that's going to ruin a game um it is a team sport it's up to everyone to play as best as they can that's quite an important lesson to learn but easier said than done perhaps oh yeah 100 percent, definitely I think even recently like playing Redbridge City so about half of the first team are or were playing for Scotland in the national team so there's five girls and four of them were playing in the national team and then me <laughs> so it's definitely I kind of was feeling the pressure of like you know knowing that they're really good players and then me kind of being there as well but actually going in with a lot of confidence is really, really important. And I can rely on them as much as I think they're relying on me. And I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's a hard lesson, but it definitely comes the more that you trust yourself. And yeah, I think the more you, I I kind of feel like I like to be told I've done well, but I think knowing after a while that you can just go into a game doing the best that you can 
is all that people can really ask for. Other experiences? Uh, so one of the things I think I really like about Corfball especially is that although there might be stronger, faster, taller men on the court, as long as I'm better than my defender, I can be the best player there. It doesn't matter that they are, you know, taller, faster, stronger. As long as I can score more goals, attack better than my defender, then I can be the best player. And I think as women, that's a really great thing to own in a mixed gender sport. And I think that shaped the way that I want to play because you kind of strive to do that. I'm not thinking like, oh, I'll just let those guys do that. It's what there's yeah, a drive for girls to be the best attackers that they can be. That also potentially feeds into what you're saying a moment ago about not really having the confidence. Yeah, for sure. Break it down. It's, it's not you versus eight other people. It's you versus one other person. You, you've broken it down into a smaller unit. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's quite interesting because you, you kind of learn, I think at the start of Corporal, it is very much a one-on-one -on -one game. It's you and your defender, you focus on them. Um, and as you develop, you learn different techniques of defending. So there's ways that you defend as a team to kind of combat the attack. But yeah, when you boil it down to it, it is you and that person, you're focused on them. You're occasionally focused on the other girl. If you know they're, they're running all the time, you can switch to another player. But yeah, it is down to you and one other person. And, and that can be really tough when you know you're against someone who's you know maybe on the national team or whatever but at the same time that could, that should be a welcome challenge that should definitely be something that you it's definitely something I've learned over time is I used to kind of avoid <laughs> defending those people like going onto the court and be like oh actually no I'll, I'll take the other one because I don't want to defend them but now actually I think I want to give myself that challenge of defending the hardest person I can because that's the way you get better right so yeah that's a nice message it's life gets easier yeah yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be like this all the time you will if you keep at it you will get better you will go absolutely better. yeah yeah and I think that's something I really like about um at, you know not even just in games but at training you know working to defend <laughs> the people that are harder to defend back against how would you describe your approach to sport mm, I think uh, I am quite competitive in a way now, but I, I never really used to be. I would probably avoid it at all costs, mainly because I don't really like conflict. And I think that sometimes feeds into that <laughs> every now and then. But yeah, approach sport. Um, I guess just give it the best you've got. You know, dedicate yourself to some training. Yeah, make sure you're, you're there, make sure you show up. And... There might be days where you just really don't feel like you're going to do well or you're not at your peak fitness or whatever. But as long as you, like I kind of said before, as long as you go in and play the best that you can play at that time, then that's all that people can really expect of you. But it's not about what people expect from you, I guess. It's about uh, your own expectations as well. What's important to you in sport? What's important to you in core sport? I think with it being a mixed gender sport, the sort of demographic participation or representation is really important obviously it's it's a truly mixed gender sport as in the game is always played with four boys and four girls I would say that 
we definitely still lack diversity in Scotland, like in Scottish corkball, not so much um, kind of male female participation, but you know, areas outside of that. But it's definitely improving. I think, you know, we're trying to get more girls into coaching, more women into refereeing and just general, generally administrating things. Um, and we've seen that a lot, you know, we've seen female, a lot more female presidents of clubs, more girls getting into refereeing. We've got our head of the SKAs of women. So yeah, I think that is something that's super important to me is getting women into those kind of um, authoritative roles, I guess, or those higher up roles. And then that will definitely feed into the rest of Corfball. And um, But yeah, definitely also, a, I think we need, need a bit more of a diverse, just diverse coaching and playing, I would say. Why do you think that is? What, what's the importance there? Um, I guess it's the same in everything, isn't it? Like we should have representation of everyone. It's such a welcoming and love, you know, the people in the sport are lovely. And I think we, yeah, I think we just need to open it up a bit more and kind of think of ways of how we can make it more attractive to a diverse audience, even to like, not always participate, but to come and, and watch and see the sport for what it is um, would be really great. How do you do that? What's the <laughs> process? Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure, I have to say. I guess working together as a sport rather than individual clubs. You know, we're not a huge sport in Scotland, so I think we need everyone to work together so that we can kind of create these opportunities and kind of think all together as to how we can uh, open it up a lot more. That might be, I don't know, we, we did a, it was a, like a workplace tournament um, a couple of years ago, which was really great. So lots of people, you know, just brought a team of four from their work to come and play and that went really well so I think things like that just kind of more open sessions for people to, to come and give it a shot um, would be really good. Tater sessions? Yeah exactly yeah we kind of we've done sort of beginner sessions and it's just a case of also advertising that and how you get that out to the right people to kind of maybe target it at a more diverse audience. The Half Court Press is a multi-sport media outlet. You can check out our articles, opinion pieces and PDF magazines on our website www.halfcourtpressmagazine.com You mentioned a minute ago about getting more women into higher mm-hmm. committee roles, admin roles, coaching roles. Great to see that's happening. You mentioned yourself that you've done a bit of admin and coaching. Not always been the case across British sports, though, has it? Definitely not. <laughs> Why do you think that has been what is changing in what is Corporal doing, doing differently? Well, I guess it helps in the fact that it... Well, I guess in a lot of sports, you've got the men's side and the women's side quite often. You know, you've got, for example, men's hockey and women's hockey as separate parts. And I think there's also mixed hockey, but... I think being a, a truly mixed gender sport, you kind of all, you see yourself as equal immediately. Like I said earlier, even thinking, knowing that you can be the best player on the court as a girl, even though there is a taller boy or a faster boy, 
coming in knowing that you're already on a level playing field and that well if he can coach I can also coach like there's definitely an element of that I would say and I think I think for a lot of women it's just it it can be a confidence thing maybe that's more me talking personally but you kind of you need to see those roles like see women in those roles maybe to know that you can do it so I think it's really great that we've seen a lot more female coaching and um female refereeing is probably something that's still lacking quite a bit but there was the the European championships was on recently and in their recent tournament which was tournament a I think there were two female referees and they were kind of dual refereeing and that was really really great to see because I I think in the b tournament there weren't any female referees so it's it's having that confidence to, I think, especially as a referee, you're controlling the game. And uh, as a, <laughs> um, I have referee, I used to referee for St Andrews, and you know, being shouted at by men that are ten years older than you is quite a terrifying prospect. But we've definitely, what we've done is, kind of, looked at that as a sport and combated that reaction rather than, you know having that discouragement of women coming up we've said okay this is how you treat your referees you know you talk to the players and everyone knows that we're a developing sport and that we need those opportunities for referees in general but for women especially so yeah it's definitely it's getting better I would say but we've got still got a long way to go much like the rest of the sports of the UK. (laughs) In my sport hockey there's, a, there's been a few more female coaches come in recently. Uh, the GB women's team who won, did very well two Olympic games prior to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Both players have retired, a couple of them have gone into coaching, but haven't made it to the next. It's only recently, so they haven't got to the elite level of coaching yet. The end of year awards came out the, uh, recently, mm-hmm. and it, three coaches from the men's game were shortlisted, three coaches from the women's game was shortlisted so in total there's six people were shortlisted yeah. one was female oh really because most of the coaches in the women's game are men i saw men yeah i asked a hockey player why she thought this might be why is women's hockey losing so many women after they stop playing mm-hmm. and she she couldn't quite put a finger on it but she was saying well a lot of women put off having a family for so long during the playing career that when we get to stop playing, well, that's when we want to have the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of gets in the way, that, that kind of, if anything, it, it potentially extends it even further. Yeah, after. yeah. It's like once you get that wealth of experience that's needed to coach really well, you're, that's when they maybe want to have a family or whatever. So by the time you get there, that's a kind of... Do, do, do you think that's relevant? Do you think that's... Um, Hmm. I think uh, I wouldn't say so much with corporal. I think it's just we just need a bit of a shift. It's kind of been men coaching for so long that we it's maybe just what we're used to. But I think it maybe just need we just need some initiative to host sort of maybe like clinics to get more girls into coaching and refereeing having the women all talk together would probably be something really useful. I know that City, we've got, you know, there's a little chat of a few of us who are looking to referee. 
and it's just a girls chat and like somewhere where we can just support each other and push each other so I think there's an element of that and then also and having those men that are coaching and are refereeing support us as well is really really important so I think we need <laughs> like with everything to do with women right now we need more males supporting us so I think that would be a good way to to move forward is kind of having that support. That potentially feeds into my, my next question of does there need to be a culture change in sport and society more broadly where there is more support for young mothers? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's it's a systemic issue, isn't it? It's not just in sports. Sports definitely a, a place where we can see a lot of it. But um, yeah, it's a massive, massive issue. And like I say, we need male support in everything, not just coaching in corkball um in in everything that we're kind of fighting for and the equality we're still looking for definitely so blokes if you're listening <laughs> pick up the nappies pick up the, the milk <laughs> sort it out let your missus go and coach <laughs> well don't let her I'll give her the space to yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just realized my language there was perhaps not the most appropriate <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As we begin to wind up, well, the next question on my list of is how do we improve corporal? Have we dealt with that already? Yeah, I feel like I feel like uh... <laughs> More, more women in higher roles was my general. <laughs> that, that, will fix, that will fix the sport and society. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> more women coaching corporal will, will fix British society. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> Who have been the best players that you've played with? I've played with? Oh, that's hard. I, when I was at uni, it was everyone, because like I say, it was your friends that you're playing with all the time, like the people that you socialise with, people that you play with. So yeah, and at the, at the moment, I'm, I'm really enjoying playing with Ella Paul. Great to have on your team, but also kind of like I said earlier, she purposely try and defend her because she's really, really good. <laughs> um, so she she challenges me and, and pushes me and coaches. She's, also, she's actually started coaching at Ed City and she also... I think coaches Edinburgh uni so yeah she's a really great kind of female figure to to have and a really great player to play with and I'm also playing with one of my really good friends from uni Heather McIntosh um, and it was really nice to to play together again and we never used to be on the same division at St Andrews we kind of always split ourselves so now at City we quite often play it on the same end which is really fun. Who have been the best players that you've played Against? Against uh, Nicole Harrow uh, from Edinburgh Mavericks. She is a really, really great player. And similarly, like I've said about Ella, enjoyable to play against because she's just, she presents you a challenge. Also infuriating because she can score a lot of goals. But um, yeah, I really enjoy playing against her. And who else? There's a lot of just teams in general that are really nice to <laughs> nice to play against or fun to play against. So yeah, so I think when we played our kind of first few second matches um, at the weekend, that's quite funny because you're in the same club, but 
you are separate teams and you're going to have separate standings in the league. So I think playing against friends is always quite fun. Who have been the best coaches that you've worked with? So I really enjoyed being coached by Callum Lindsay at Glasgow. Learned a lot, always pushed us. Um, and also, like say, Ella Paul, who's been coaching us recently at Ed City. And also Dan, who's been on the, the show, obviously. And yeah, I guess I think that's kind of... We've also got Dave Ewing coaching the first team at the moment. And I really, really like his approach to coaching us um he's a very chilled person so it's nice to kind of have that I think I think a coach sets the culture and I think having someone who's relaxed but obviously still pushing us when we need it is really really important I've also been lucky enough to sort of we had Dave Buckland who um, coaches down in England we had him come up we're in St Andrews he came up for a weekend and coached us he's mildly terrifying but very very nice really <laughs> so yeah I've, had, I've been coached by a lot of great great people mildly terrifying what's he doing like <laughs> he's just he's just like he's quite quite silent he doesn't shout he's just uh just kind of and he's also like just his demeanor is generally <laughs> a bit scary but, but I know know well enough to know that he's not that scary <laughs> I like the idea of a coach who's who's too quiet, mm. scarily quiet. You just know you've done something wrong just by looking at him. There's no. <laughs> when you're 15, your parents go to you. We're not angry. Disappointed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, like that. <laughs> the Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts, and interviews. Last three questions. What has been your favourite game of corfball as a player? Well, that's really hard. Um, I think playing at nationals at uni, um, at the Bucks competition, the British universities and colleges yes. leagues. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we would always play in kind of prelims and then regionals and then we go down to nationals. And yeah, I think all the games there were just really fun. And, and we always, you know, we always wanted to, there's a few really close games that could have changed our standing and things like that. But I think there was one game, I can't remember if it was my third or my fourth year, we were playing against Sheffield Hallam. And it was such a good game. We, we played the whole game really well, but in the last few minutes, it did come down to penalties because they kind of scored a few bangers in the last uh, couple minutes. And yeah, we managed to take the win on the penalties, but it was just the kind of intensity of it was really great. But the feeling of actually winning it was, was good as well. And yeah, we came 13th, which we came every year. I went to nationals, we came 13th. 
and I don't know what that means but um <laughs> yeah I think those those games are definitely some of the, some of my most memorable games does it mean that you you're quite the unlucky team yeah I'm not sure are we unlucky or are we lucky that we maintained our position consistency <laughs> is good in a way yeah exactly exactly <laughs> what has been your favorite game of Corfball as a fan um, I think that one of the recent games at the Euros, actually, just watching it from home, Scotland versus Poland at the European Championships. Poland then went on to win the entire championship, but Scotland actually beat them in their very first game. Uh, so I think that's quite nice knowing that you've, you've beaten the winners overall. But just generally just seeing, you know, people that you know playing and playing so well and really pushing themselves is, is really great. So, yeah, that was, that was a really good game to watch. I've, I've always thought it'd be quite nice to see people that you know it's quite a community isn't it yeah definitely and and like I said earlier like knowing you know the Scotland team is made up of all these different people from all these different clubs that maybe sometimes don't get on but when you're all playing together it just works I I remember watching um, an interview with no I wasn't was watching an interview it was, it was like a post-match rundown but there's three pundits on 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 the channel all who played Premier League football and for England, mm-hmm. but, for, but for different major clubs. And Frank Lampard saying, well, we, a large reason why we never did much with England was because we were too much into the rivalry at club level. Yeah, yeah. We, it was, we never got together properly for the national team. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, really, because it's a world-class team, but it sounds like that's different at, at Scotland. Yeah, I think um, I think every team can play a bit differently. There's different approaches, different kind of gameplays that you might do in your club. But then when it comes to Scotland as a team, we do have an external coach for that, obviously. And he, you know, you coach the way that he wants you to play and you just all pull together and do it. And I think in a couple of games, there was, you know, people that all played for Edinburgh Mavericks on the same division. So obviously they know how to play together already. That's how they train every week. So that's maybe quite a good idea. But I think also mixing it up was really interesting to kind of mix up those abilities and the strengths that people have. What has been your favourite game of corporal as a coach? <laughs> as a coach? Um, I think probably similar to before, because I didn't, there weren't any competitive games when I was out in Switzerland coaching. So yeah, games at St Andrews mainly, because we're all a really close group of friends. That you know, when you take your you take your wins and your losses together, it's a lot. It's pretty special. I can't think of a particular game to be honest. I think there was a game where we we were playing against. I think it was just Sheffield this time, or can't remember what team it was, but it was a team that came quite high in the year before at the nationals, um, and we were we were beating them at one point and. Uh, just watching from the sidelines, it was just so, so good to see that, that we had the ability to do that. Um, I think in the end, we lost by a goal, but knowing that, you know, you can do that is really great. Obviously, when a game comes to an end, and there's only one winner, really, um, unless it's a draw. But <laughs> yeah, I think just coaching those games where, like I say, player coaching was hard, but when you are off on the side watching, it's really great to kind of see everyone push themselves and then afterwards you all kind of go back to this tiny town in Scotland in St Andrews and just 
yeah kind of enjoy it all together and like we, we would always go to the pub afterwards and no matter whether we won or lost <laughs> we would always go to the pub so yeah I think, I think those games in general were great a point if you lose two if you win is it yeah exactly exactly oh we used to do dirty pints for like every when you first go scored your first goal for the first team or the second team if you became captain things like that they were and they were absolutely vile I remember just dreading having one the things that were put in it I just <laughs> I yeah we, we did dirty points for the uni hockey team in mm-hmm. and uh as a slightly um as a goalkeeper is really, really a bit different and should we say a naive 19 year old in the ways of the, of the world <laughs> I've got quite a few dirty points in my time there <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you don't know what a dirty point is you're lucky <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're you're blessed. <laughs> right, I'm I'm going to give you one last surprise question. Oh no. Okay. Why is korfball the best sport in the world? Oh no. <laughs> um, I'm going to take my own answer for when I was at uni. Just the people. <laughs> the people are really great. Um, obviously there are some some bad eggs, but that's the same in everything, isn't it? No, generally just the welcoming attitude of the sport because we want more, more and more people to play it. And I think another aspect is, like I say, and I have said a million times, the fact that it is truly mixed gender, that you are always playing with men and women. And I think that's a really important aspect to it. And that if you joined a corkball club in any city in the UK you would immediately have a mixed group of friends and that's not just I don't just mean men and women I mean people I think there's a lot of different reasons as to why people play this sport and it's really nice knowing that I knew that I could move anywhere in the UK and join a club and have a group of friends pretty much immediately which is nice. Nina Murdoch of Edinburgh City Corkball Club thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.